Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach, my man, Bob Huggins. And I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan brand unis during my time. Now, you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. I'm on Snapchat, at Big Meach 41, and soon to be on TikTok. That's right. Now, this is the special edition of the podcast, my interview series with a very special guest. All right, Bearcat fans, I'm excited to welcome in this next guest. And as you know, we've had a lot of former players from the past, but this guy just finished up his career for the Bearcats, and he will go down as not only a fan favorite, but a guy that embodies what it means to be a Bearcat. He was a leader on and off the court, and no doubt he will be highly successful in his next chapter of life. I want to welcome in Mr. Double Double himself, number 13, Trey Scott. What's going on, Trey? What's going on, Meech? How you doing, bro? I'm doing well, man. You surviving these wild times? Yeah, man, as best as I could. Staying safe, staying out the way. Yeah, how's your family? Everybody good, man, you know. Thank God. You got every, all my family in good health. You know, we're all in good spirits. Um, so everybody's, you know, doing great as we can right now. Good, man. And the funny thing, and I want to tell Bearcat fans out there that I hit you up about being on this uh, podcast and doing an interview, and you were like, man, people are tired of hearing from me. And I'm going to tell <laughs> you, man, that is the furthest thing from the truth because when I tweeted out about you coming on the show and, and, and talking about you, man, that the fans absolutely love you. And we're going to kind of dive into why they love you. I think you know that, but we're going to make it crystal clear. But first, I want to go through your basketball journey, and we're mm-hmm. going to start. We're going to rewind the tape and go back. You grew up in Georgia. Now, what part? What part? Uh, small town. Towns in Georgia is in between Savannah and Jacksonville. Like, um, like four hours from Atlanta and forty-five minutes from the Jacksonville, like from the Florida line. So, you know, okay. a lot of people do not know it. So it's like a real, real small town down south, right okay. on the coast. And you went to uh, McIntosh County? Yeah, McIntosh County Academy. Uh-huh. Okay. Is that where uh, Alan Bailey went? Yeah, yeah, yeah. AB, that's where he went. Most okay. Days. So you know him pretty well? Him. Yeah, that's a big bro. You know, we just, you know, got in, started communicating a little bit via Instagram. You know, uh, he was, a, I mean, we played two different sports, but I mean, he was like a, you know, like a little, like an inspiration to me, seeing that he made it from, he made it from where we came from, you know, a small town, and I'm like, why can't I make it, like, you know, so I just looked at him and, you know, and his success and kind of trying to be, you know, the next big thing out of our county. Yeah, and so far you've definitely done that. Now, at your high school, were you the all-time leading scorer? Um, I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I think so. How do you not know, Trey? You got no things like this. Yeah, but I mean, I'm the type of person, man. To be honest, I never really get caught up in all that. Like, I mean, it's good to know, but I never really get caught up in too much of the like way I like, like my like was I this, was I that? Like, 
You mm-hmm. feel me? But if I had like be re- realistically, I mo- I probably most definitely would. Okay. You know right. I mean, I don't know because there's like some great players, you know, back in way way back in the day. My, like a lot of people tell me about. So. Got you. Now you, I assume, especially your senior year, you probably averaged a double double. Would that be fair to say? In high school. Yes. yes. Yeah, okay. most definitely. So, I think and two years actually. What's that? I think my junior and senior. Okay, so I mean, where did the where did the whole double double thing come from? Because there's some people that, you know, really concentrate on one aspect of their game, and a lot of times the way things are now, that's scoring. But you've really focused in on, you know, you've got a high level of of scoring ability, but also the rebound. So where where does that all stem from? Um, just for me, I don't, I don't want to be like a, what some people call like a one trick pony, you know, just being able to be good at just scoring the ball or just rebounding the passing. I try to like, I'm not nearly as good as him, but one person I look like try to, you know, uh, how can I say, try to incorporate in my game the way he plays LeBron James. Like you look at him, he, he affects the game in every aspect that scoring, <laughs> rebounding, passing. and. Sure. I mean, you like a lot of my games, a lot of times I play, I try to affect the game in as many areas as I can. And I had, a, you know, scoring, uh, passing, rebounding, getting steals. So, I mean, that's really where it all comes from, not being able to affect the game in multiple ways. Um, and I know for a fact I can control the defensive part, the rebounding part. And I always I pride myself in rebounding. Um, you know, a lot, that has a lot, of, lot I, that has a lot to do with the last staff. You know, Cronin and Costavino, you know, they was high on that, you know, with players. Mm-hmm. You know, then me being around Gary, playing with him, I'm seeing how he used to control the glass. I'm like, man, that's I, by the time I'm done, I want to be doing that. Like, I got to be controlling the glass. Um, yeah. But it just opened up, it, it opens up a lot of other things, so not only myself, but other people, you know. So that's really where it comes from, just being able to affect the game in more than just one, one area. You know, a lot of players these days really just, like you said, worry about scoring. And scoring, that's like the last, the least, you know, of my concerns. Like, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah. if I get the opportunity to score, I'm going to score. I'm most definitely going to do that. But things that I can control, like rebounding and, you know, defensive, other like the defensively, like stuff like that, uh, that's really my number one concern. So when I just started controlling the glass, the points started coming with it, and it just added, kept adding up double-double. And, and so with you doing that in high school, Obviously, that gets the attention of a lot of college coaches. So let's talk a little bit about your recruiting process. Um, how did that go? How did UC kind of come into the picture and your final decision on choosing UC? Um, it, I, well, I started getting recruited by – I got my first offer when I was in the eighth grade uh, school in Georgia, Georgia Southern. I don't know mm-hmm. if you heard of it. Okay. Yeah, for sure. So that was my first ever offer ever. And then I started once I started playing AAU, you know, getting on the circuit and traveling around, and I, I started getting way more buzz. So I played with an older team, like a, a local team, but we was always in like a lot of big tournaments. So I mean, I started getting more buzz, getting more buzz. Then UC came around my sophomore year in high school. At this time, I had no idea about about UC. The only thing I knew about Cincinnati was that I had relatives who lived there. That was the only mm-hmm. thing. So, I mean, I talked to Coach Davis for the first time and. He told me, like, the first phone call, he said, well, I'm telling you, like, we were offering you a full scholarship. So I'm like, okay, that's cool, like another scholarship. So I told my mom, and we went. And that was around the time UC played Louisville at Louisville. Um, 
was it? I don't know if not the last year. It was one of them. Like, they played them at Louisville, and I watched that game with my mom and my dad. And my mom was like, "You that'll probably be a good fit. Like you could fit there." But mm-hmm. then I started doing, you know, started doing some uh some research. Like I started doing like research on the school. Uh, kept looking up, you know, players who've been there, um, like coaches. Um, like I said, like great players who've been there. And I'm like, that, that's something that I want to be a part of, you know, a school with a winning culture, a school with uh, like big time players, you know, who've mm-hmm. been there before me. Um, and there was throughout the whole process, you see Coach Cronin and his staff, Coach Davis, they they kept it real with me the whole time. You know, they was there from the beginning, from the first time they offered me to the end. Like, they was calling, constantly checking in, came to my school, came to my house, um, like, AAU tournaments, high school games, and I'm like, like after, after Cronin, he came to a game, like, one of my AAU games, and he texted me afterwards, was like, you'd be great in a Bearcat uniform. Getting <laughs> that from, like, you know, the head guy who runs the program, I'm like, okay, I feel like they really want me there, so I went on a visit. And the players who was there at the time, they made me feel – you know, a lot of players really say they, they felt like home. Like Cincinnati, like when I was there, they really made me feel comfortable. Like they, like I knew them already, like they knew me. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the people I met, you know, from the AD at the time to the president to the uh, the, the fast people, teammates, it, it just all felt like safe. Like I felt like I'd be able to be successful there. And – that's what made me choose. That's really was the biggest reason I chose UC. Okay. No, no, I I totally get that. And I think what you just said is very, very important. And for a lot of young people that are out there, a lot of times these kids are going through the recruiting process and, you know, there might be a school that wants you really, really bad and it's a good fit, but kids just are looking every place else. Mm-hmm. And it's like the school that's a great fit for you that really wants you right in your face and that's where you need to go. Um, and you made the decision to go to UC, and I think we all can agree that you made the right decision. You made a great decision, which leads me into your freshman year, the 2015-2016 year, in which you decided to redshirt. Mm-hmm. So what what went into that decision? Was that something that before you got to UC you decided on, you talked with the coaches, or when you got there and kind of went through the process, it was like this is probably the best thing for me? So, well, I had no, I didn't go into UC looking to redshirt anything. It was just, like, I mean, I was practicing. Everything was great, you know, scrimmaging with the team. I was doing good. I was doing great. Um, but it was just a fact of, like, the position I was playing, we were playing mm-hmm. before. When I got there, it was like four. Let me see. It was Gary, Gary, uh, Octavius Ellis, Carson to the Barry, and Quadri Moore. They was there, and they were all like rotating bigs. And I was like the new guy there, you know. And coach had called me in his office. Coach David said, I mean, he basically saying he asked me like, long story short, he asked me how would I feel about red shirting. And at first, I'm like, like, nah, like I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm doing the same thing I was doing in high school with. Like with the high school kids, with these people who've been performing, like I feel like I can play now. But I really, you know, the chronic here, he he said something. He came in, you know, we all us three talked to a few, and I just it's not they didn't pressure me into it at all. It was my decision. They they gave me an option, but I just thought about it as maybe I just thought about it, maybe maybe this was this came this came upon this came about for a reason for a good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, because then I, I thought about it, like, I talked about my parents. So I'm like, maybe, I mean, I was I, I was mad at first. I was hurt at first, to be honest. But I'm like, 
you got to do what you got to do to set yourself up for the future. Like, I could learn the system, you know. Uh, I could learn, you know, our weird defense we used to play with Cronin and them. Uh, I, could, I could just be a separate head from when I really get on the court and I could get bigger, I could get stronger, I could get faster, everything. And I decided to do it. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to be selfish and think about it now. Think about me now. Like, I'd rather set myself up for the most success I can have in the future. Sure. And I decided to red shirt, and that probably was the best decision I ever made in my life, to be honest. And that's so interesting because there are a lot of players that go into college and can't handle a red shirt because they go from, like yourself, being one of the better players at their high school, if not the best player at their high school. You know, you're averaging a double-double, probably the all-time leading scorer at your school, <laughs> playing a lot of minutes, to coming and having to sit. And there are players that don't do well with that. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that during the season that you're sitting there watching when you know you want to play? And you go from playing so much to sitting and watching. How was that? I'm sure mentally it was an up and down thing, but you knew what it, it was best for you. Yeah. Um, at first it was tough. Like that's probably the toughest like time, toughest month, two months, uh, that I like and say I went through like in the beginning. Um but I mean I felt like I had I had a few players around me at the time who redshirted and or had to sit out a year or any you know, stuff like that. So they was all helping me through the process, you know, talking to me through the process and I mean I just found out ways to like I mean I'm not playing but to stay engaged in the game, like like you said, like I said, like learning, watching mm-hmm. players who are in my position, um, watching stuff they do, what to do, what not to do, um, just being there, you know, helping helping the team, like it was that time like some of the teams the players would be like, like, you're not out there on the court. Like, what you see we need to do better. What you think I need to do, what da-da-da-da-da. Like, some of the older players used to ask me that. And I'm like, they, I mean, they accepted it. Like, the role that I like, need red shirt and not being out there, and I had to accept it. And, I mean, they started coming to me looking for answers still. And it was <laughs> – no, seriously, like, you know, and I, and I was like, dang, like, that's like – I mean, I mean, I mean, I, it, it just it kept me going. Like, it, it was just – like, small things, I mean, I'm the type of person, I let, like, small things, like, keep me going. Like, small things like that kind of helped me get out of that hole that I was in, like, mm-hmm. uh, mentally. Um, like, obviously, you know, my parents and, like, you know, praying, praying to God about it every day. Uh, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, I just try to find, like, small ways just to keep me engaged and small things to, like, like the, I started thinking about the positives of the whole situation. And yep. on top of the players who, like, you know, done it before and helped me, you know, through the process. So that's really how, you know, I got over that, you know, the first two months of it with it being so tough with me sitting up. Mm-hmm. So so you get through that whole process, and now it's, now it's go time, 2016-2017 season. Um, you guys had a great season with 30-6. and six. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, good squad. Jacob Evans, Kyle Washington, Gary, Troy. Jay, yeah, yeah. Kevin. So you got you guys obviously had a squad, and that team really didn't hit, if I remember correctly, really didn't hit the stride until after that Butler loss. So you guys go and lose to Butler, and then went on a, a 15 game winning streak. Uh, and obviously the the in the NCAA, uh, you guys lost to UCLA, Lonzo Ball, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and and how was that season? For you now, I know you were reserve. I think you had like three points. You averaging three points a game, but mm-hmm. how was that going from sitting out and now playing? 
Um, I kind of felt like it wasn't as bad. Well, it was. I'm just to put it. That season went exactly how I kind of anticipated it to. Um, like I, I mean, I was a freshman, 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 but I didn't feel like I didn't play. I felt like no freshman, you know. Like mm-hmm. yeah, I made mistakes, but everybody made mistakes. But I mean, I felt confident once I was out there when, from me, like red shirted and learning the system. I felt like I knew what I was doing. I knew where to be versus being like a freshman and, you know, being in the wrong spot at the wrong time or messing up like that. Like, so, I mean, me coming, I feel good. Like, I mean, I feel good. I was a role player. Um, I've learned, uh, I, like, I try. I, I found my role, what to do and how to stay on the court. And, I mean, I maybe, I mean, I didn't play a tremendous amount every night, but it was games where I played big minutes and, you know, with my team. Huh? No, no, no. Hold on. It was time, game, games where I played big minutes and where I helped the team. And, you know, it just all, all you know, it helped me build my confidence and just helped me get ready for the next season, whatever to come. So, I mean, I, I mean, it was a great season and I learned a lot. Like, from mm-hmm. being, you know, I learned a lot from playing with Gary, playing with Troy, uh, Kyle. I learned a lot from playing with those guys. Um, so, yeah, it, I mean, it was, a, it was a good season. Like, we went for and. I mean, I played. I did. I feel like I did my part. What the team needed me, and what the coaches needed me to do. So, and I just build on that from build from that season to the next. Yep. And 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 one thing that was special about that year, and it was really special for like me and a lot of the former players, but that was the last ever season in the old Fifth Third Arena. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember that last game, and and that was like the end of an era at the university because, like, when Bob Huggins took over and that arena was built, like, the program went to, like, a whole nother level. And when that arena, that last game, that was the last game in that arena, it's like we're about to start a whole new era of basketball. And so that transitioning into the 2017-2018 season, and obviously it was a little bit – weird being that you guys are playing at NKU. Yeah. You really don't have a, a home arena. What what was that like? Um, it was weird. Like you said, it was weird. Like we'll come out, we'll play we played multiple games with NKU under our feet. Like, you know, they're uh <laughs> like, on the court seriously. Uh so it, it was weird but the thing that I mean the thing that helped I mean whatever it was it was Coach Tony's always tell us like no matter what arena we're playing in, we we show up and we play, we win, we do, we do. Like no matter where we play at. So, um, and we had tremendous, tremendous support from the fans. You know, they drove uh, from wherever to Northern Kentucky, mm-hmm. day in, day out, uh, student section. So we, I mean, had a lot of sold out, all a lot, tons of sold out games. I mean, like it was weird at first, but we all uh, we were smart. We were smart enough to know like it don't matter what we playing, just lay right. them up, go get the job done. Yeah, no doubt. And and this was I mean, this was a special group. This year was there were some high expectations for this group. Um and the thing was, um, I think it was early in the season and, and there were high expectations. So when you guys lose to Xavier and then you turn around and lose to the Gators, the Florida Gators in New Jersey, there was like a lot of there was some concerns. Mm-hmm. But and I was at that game um, in New Jersey versus the Gators. Um, and after that game, I just remember all the fans like, ah, you know, a lot of people were kind of, you know how fans are. They get they get down real quick. But mm-hmm. then you guys go on to a 16-game winning streak. 
So so kind of take us through that. Uh, we lost two in a row, and that was basically enough. That was it for us. Um, <laughs> we was like fed up. Uh, we know what we had. You know, we we knew what type of team we was. Like the players we had, pieces like and where we could go. Um, we just what I mean, we just like just snapped out of it and just went crazy. I guess like we wanted to win and we just started winning. Coach Cronin, anyone you can imagine, you you. Imagine what he did once we got that pretty <laughs> and the talks and meetings and all we had. And oh, yeah. the fire under us, and we ain't look back. And um, I think I think a game that was also a big time game changer, and I was at this game, was the game in California at UCLA. Mm-hmm. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you agree? That was like a big game for you guys. And I don't know if you remember this, but after you guys beat UCLA a bunch of the Bearcat fans that did travel to the game, myself included, we were kind of down on the court after the game, kind of, you know, everybody was chopping it up with you guys, taking pictures, and, man, yeah. you guys just had this look, man, and and just a togetherness, um, and you could just see this, this team turning the corner. Yeah, man, because, I mean, it was a big-time win for us to go out there, especially after they beat us the year before, for mm-hmm. us to go out there and uh, win on their court. And like, yeah. such a historic building um, that gave us a lot of confidence, you know. And mm-hmm. it was like, bro, we like we can do it. Like we can really accomplish whatever we wanted to as a unit, you know. As long as we stay together and just do what we got to do. And hey, you know, yeah, that was that. That was that, you know. Yep. And and so so ironic that that Coach Cronin is now at UCLA. <laughs> so so ironic how that played out, but um. So you guys that season win the regular season mm-hmm. and the conference championship, which is I mean that's a big deal because I, I think sometimes what happens Trey and you, you could speak uh, you know as as well as I can in regards to this but once once a team has has kind of solidified itself to be in the NCAA tournament let's say you mm-hmm. win the regular season championship some teams don't take the conference championship as serious. It's not yeah. as important. Guys are kind of tired. That's why you see a lot of teams lose in the conference tournament. Teams that should win it, but but not you guys. You guys win. I think you guys beat Houston that year, right? Uh, in the conference for the regular the, season? Uh, no, the uh, conference championship. That two thousand. Yeah, we beat Houston. Yeah, we beat. Yeah, we right. We, we got the outright at Wichita State, and then we beat Houston in the yeah. Uh, conference tournament. Yeah. And, and, and so take us to that mindset of that going into that conference. Like, why was it so important to win that conference championship where a lot of teams just are like, you know what? Ah, if we win it, we win it. Doesn't matter. We got to get ready for the NCAAs. Nah, it was important to us because we wanted to be great. Like, we wanted to be a team that would be remembered, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know yeah. for, for a fact that team, that squad that year would be remembered, like, forever. For um, sure. I mean, because after we beat Wichita State, we knew that it was going to be we knew we couldn't have step that every team was going to, who we played in the conference tourney was going to come at us like hard trying to, you know, basically beat us, trying to knock us out of the tournament. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, out of the tournament. So, I mean, it was important that we stayed, that we stayed the course. Um, it was important that we keep winning and get the best seed we can, which we ended up getting a two seed for the NCAA tournament. Um, I mean, that, I mean, it was, it was, it was just an important stretch for us, you know, to see uh, how we, I guess to see how we would handle the success we had. Like mm-hmm. if, if we'd be like any other team and just like let go, basically let down or whatever, or 
if it wanted to be great, see how I mean, you know, we win the whole thing. And I mean, like I said, we we took some huge strides that season, and we ended up we won we won the whole tournament. We won both of them. Yeah, and, I, and at that point, I'll be honest with you. I know I can speak for myself, and I'm sure a lot of fans felt this way. Everyone at that point, after you guys beat Houston, everyone's like, this could be another Final Four team for the mm-hmm. Bearcats. I mean, that was – I mean, I heard that all over the city. And expectations were high going into the NCAA tournament, and you guys mm-hmm. just – you know, that that game versus Nevada, and I know how competitive you are. I'm sure that ranks up there as one of the toughest losses of your career. Ah, uh, yeah, that that was – that was one of the toughest losses. That was top three. My toughest losses while I was at UC, man. Uh, for us to be up like that and, you know, to end up losing that game, you know, everything we did before, prior to that game, you know, uh, the success we had that season and the expectations that we had. Mm-hmm. It was it, it was tough. And it haunted me, not only me, uh, me, uh, every player who played in that game and haunted us for a very long time, to be honest, a very long yeah. time. So, I mean, it, and, it was, and, I, and I'm sure a loss like that, that kind of really fuels you. I know for some of the other guys, they're they're finished, they're seniors, but for you, that kind of fuels you, you know, for the following year. You know, you evaluate yeah. yourself as a player. Say and as a person, say what can I do better from skills to mm-hmm. leadership, and that kind of leads us into 2018-2019 season where you guys finished 28-7, and I think you personally made some huge strides mm-hmm. uh, this particular season. You averaged 9.7 rebounds, um, but what I want to kind of talk through is the new arena, all right? So this is the first year, new arena. We're going to open it up versus Ohio State. Um, first of all, what was it like kind of going through the locker room, seeing the new arena, um, and, and basically these next two years, this is kind of – you're leading this squad. Um, it was it was, it was, uh, it was weird because I played in the old arena also and been in the old locker room. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, dang, like, this is like a huge upgrade. Like, this look crazy. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of like jaw-dropping at first. But, I mean, me knowing – like, yeah, like, for the next two years, you know, I'm going to be the oldest player on the team. Like, I've been here before, the longest. Like, I'm going to have to be a leader. I'm going to have to step up in many ways. Um, I just went back to the things that I learned from, you know, players before, uh, team captains before me, you know, mm-hmm. and I just try to put how they handle certain situations and try to mess it with the way I handle situations. Like, when I was in high school, when I was my team captain, you know, so I'm like, I, I, it was just certain things that I had to figure out right. uh, about my team, about myself, you know, in, in situations, about my coaches. Um, so, I mean, I feel like last season, like not this past, but the season before Coach Cronin's last year, um, I felt like I did a pretty decent job. I, I feel like I did a pretty decent job, you know, stepping up and trying to lead the team. Mm-hmm. But this past season, I most definitely can say it was probably my best ever, like me being oh, yeah. like a captain and team leader. Uh, I feel like it was my best year, you know. I handled it the right way. I could have mm-hmm. done things better. I know for a fact. I thought like it was certain things I could have done better, but I mean, for the for the most part, I feel like I done. I did the right thing, and you know, led the team the way that it should have been led. I guess. Yeah, and, and and I do. I'm gonna we're gonna get into this past season, but 
quickly back to that 2018-2019 season, your junior year. Um, I remember when you guys lost to Ohio State. Mm. Um, new arena, a lot of energy. You guys did not play well at all. Mm. And I remember I even said to myself, man, this could be a long year. Mm-hmm. Um, but you guys, and this is where this is where I always tell people you need players like Trey Scott and you need gel guys because you guys after that Ohio State game, when a lot of people kind of wrote you off that this is going to be a rebuilding year, you guys mm-hmm. kept finding ways to win, man. Kept finding ways and kept chipping away, and I think of the value that you bring to a team and and also others you know, kind of play into that. And I've been on teams like that where my first season, Trey, no one thought we were going to be very good. And, shoot, we went and beat number one team in the country, Duke, and then went on and we were number one at one point. But we just had certain pieces that were guys like you that kind mm-hmm. of brought us all together, man. So I, I think you did a great job uh, with that. And that, that season I think you guys just kept finding little ways to win. But, but one thing I want to get at was – you guys get to the NCAA tournament, and that loss to Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, t- talk talk to us a little bit about um, your thoughts on that game, and, and I'll give you some of my thoughts. Well, my thoughts on that game was we stopped doing what we had. We stopped doing the things that made us successful to earn, like, mm-hmm. early in the game. Um, and we had, like, a lot of downfalls. Like, we had a lot of – before they went on their run, we had a lot of mistakes. Like, we shot ourselves in the foot. Um, like stupid fouls we had, stupid fouls we gave up, like turnovers, bad shots, and it kind of gave them the momentum. You know, even though we played in Columbus, like and it was it was a sea of black and red. Um, uh huh. really though, at the end of the day, if a team is hot, they don't, it don't really matter. And they got hot, and it was tough to out them. And we started, we didn't. I feel like we didn't attack their press the right way. Like we practice, we practice, practice, we practice attacking it. And it was successful. Like, okay, we could – everyone really thought, okay, if we do this, we can mm-hmm. beat it. And at one point, we stopped doing it, and we didn't do it the correct way, and it made the game, like, longer. Um, mm-hmm. And it made – everything was just tougher for real. So I feel like, to be honest, we just shot ourselves in the foot. It, and 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 watching that game, I I was in actually I was in Las Vegas um, when you guys were playing that game, and I'm watching the game in, in Vegas, and we lose the game's over, and I'm like, man, you know, I I personally felt at that point I was like, you know, Coach Cronin is going to need to change his style a little bit of play for the NCAA tournament, and I really felt that I saw that versus Iowa. I'm like. He's got to make some changes in that style of play, which is so crazy because that style of play that I'm talking about and the mindset – and Coach Crone's a smart guy. He knows how to adapt and change. But after I, I thought that, then, boom, the shift happens. 2019-2020 season, your last year, Mick Cronin takes the UCLA job. Coach Brandon is now hired. So that style of play I was talking about, the shift happens, just not with Mick, but with, with Coach Brandon. So I think what a lot of fans want to know, um, and, and they've not really heard a lot of players talk about this, but 
just from your perspective, that change when, when Coach Cronin left, Coach Brandon came in, there were guys that were jumping in the portal, and, and it was this craziness. What was going through your mind at that point? I'm like, depending on who they bring in. I, well, it was a point in time where once the day he told us he was, like, leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, from that point on, it's, we, I think it was, like, two weeks we went without having a coach. Well, I mean, we had, I mean, we was there with Coach Savino still doing workouts, and we was trying to, you know, see if he would get the coaching job or whatever. Mm-hmm. But and he didn't. So after we figured out he did it, I'm like, we was all sitting around. Well, me personally, I'm like, I mean, I'm about to put my name in the proto because I just feel, like, uncertain about stuff. I mean, I feel like they just, they, like, taking their time with this when I'm trying to get to work. Like, I'm used to season in, probably a week, out, week after, maybe two, we getting right to work workouts and stuff. So I'm, yep. I'm trying, like, I, I just felt like it was, they was just taking, it was just, like, lollygagging on the process. So I sat down, you know, I talked with Bob, imagine, you know, training, and I showed him how, how I felt about everything. And, I mean, I gave it some time. But I, I, honest to God, I really put, like, a time limit. I, I was like, if they don't have, if we don't have a coach or by so-and-so and so, like, this day, like, I'm putting my name in the program, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. And I woke up one morning and I heard like some kind of news that there was hiring Coach B. So, and I'm like, I mean, I knew Coach B before. Like everyone knows this. Like he recruited me when he was at Bama. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, like maybe it's a re- maybe him coming here, me here, maybe it's a reason. Like it's a reason that maybe it was meant to be together for a year or at least play, you know, uh, like on the same team. Maybe it, it didn't work out the last time, but. It was meant to be like God brought us together for a reason. That's how I saw it. So I stayed, and I mean that's not. But the the biggest reason I stayed was because Jaron and Keith. Um, I asked both of them guys how they felt, and me and Keith had like a a, a brief talk. We got straight to it, and he said he felt he he felt like we had unfinished business. Like let's do it. He said he wants to stay here. Let's make it happen here. Um, and Jaron, when I found out he was coming back from the draft, he was basically like, man, everybody, we all felt like we had unfinished business and. Mm-hmm. We like playing together, and felt like we could have made something happen, no matter who the coach was. And so when once I figured out that was all in, I stayed. Yeah, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> yeah. you, you were you were huge this season, so we 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 appreciate that. Now, with with all that going on, so basically the you know three of you guys, Jaron, um, you and Keith, um, decide to come back, stay, um, and really this is you, you and Jaron. It's your team. Um, but you got a lot of new guys coming in, and you got to coach with a different style. Mm-hmm. How was that transition period between Coach Brandon's new style, all these new guys, and you being a leader? So, Trey, you're looked upon to tell this guy, Zach Henry, who's who's new. Who's new. You got or Zach Harvey, excuse me. Oh you yeah, yeah. Tell, you got to tell him where to go, where to be, how to be a college athlete. I mean, how how was that process? It was. Um, at first it was tough because while I'm trying to be a team leader, you know, a team captain, uh, and help people and try to, you know, keep things, do things that team captains do. I'm still, I still was trying to learn stuff myself, you know, how, mm-hmm. how they want everything ran. And so, I mean, it was tough, but I mean, once I got the hang of everything, you know, once I feel comfortable enough to where I could really tell, you know, like, like you like help Zach Harvey out consistently and Micah and J- Jeremiah, you know, once, even the ones who was there before them, you know, with us. Once I got to that point, it was like kind of smooth for real because like everyone's everyone's listening. Like you know, we have our days. I mean, every basketball team do. You know, you say something, and you know, you go back at it with players. Like 
Who can, who mm-hmm. cares? Every team has that. Yep. I'm actually glad that we that. I'm I'm glad that we went through that type of stuff with each other. But I mean, we all smart, you know, we all wanted to win, so everybody listened and I had questions that I asked and I listened to them once they, you know, helped me out and then once they told me I was doing something wrong from the coaches and the players. But mm-hmm. I mean the transition was it, it the transition was smooth and that from that point, once we all started, you know, learning together like I, I i say that i wasn't like in the beginning i was i put i kind of i put my pride aside from being like trying to be a captain a leading I, I tried to look at it as let's all learn this stuff together like my mm-hmm. being a team captain me doing this doing that or whatever like that'll come down the line whenever the coaches really you know announce that like right yeah. now i'm like let's learn together let's get this chemistry together because we have six new players and we yeah. had like five six leads so, I mean, once we all got comfortable together, you know, and stuff got close to the season, then Coach B, they named, okay, trade team captain. And every, I mean, everybody, you know, it was all cool. I mean, everyone expected it, you know. So then I, at that point, I was able to lead, you know, direct stuff more mm-hmm. from a player standpoint and from a captain standpoint than early in the season. And, and and you were so valuable because <clears throat> every team has different types of leaders. So if you go back to when I played, like Kenyon Martin was our vocal leader. He would do a lot of things that you did in games, you know, grabbing people, pointing them, telling them where to go, being an extension of Bob Huggins or you being an extension of uh, Coach Brandon. And Jaron reminded me a lot of we had a guy named Bobby Brandon, and Bobby was quiet. Um, Bobby was productive. He didn't say much. You know, he just goes out there and, and does his thing. And, and Jaron really is not a, you know, a, a vocal guy, super emotional. He's kind of even keel and, and you had that that vocal, that emotional leadership, and that's so very, very needed, you know, for a team. And as you talk about, things are starting to come together, and I think the fans were super excited going into that OSU game, the Ohio State game, because it's something new, right? And it's like, okay, Jaron's back, Trey's back, you know, Keith. And then, you know, Coach Brandon's style of play. So the expectations were, were extremely high. I think you guys went out and played a, a very good game versus Ohio State. I wish you would have won that game. But I kept telling fans after the Ohio State game, I'm like, look, there are going to be ups and downs with this team. It's just, it's just a learning curve that's going to happen, which leads me to talk about this Virgin Islands tournament. Um and that's one of those kind of like ups and downs, the loss to Bowling Green. I think you guys said, is it three overtime teams in the yeah. Virgin Islands? Ooh, let's see, who do we play first? Um, yeah. I think you have Valpo, we too. We play Valpo, we play Bowling Green, and we play uh, Illinois State. So it was, I think, two overtime games. Okay. And it was just like, I know the Bowling Green game was, was tough. So, and, 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 Trey, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, when you go on trips like that to the Virgin Islands or wherever you go, it's, it's supposed to be a bonding experience. You know, you guys yeah. kind of build as a team. Did you feel like you guys left there more bonded, a little separate, a lot of work to do? To be honest with you, that tournament was – we was a dysfunctional team at the time. Like, we wasn't, like, near as close as where we needed to be. Like, we was all, like, on islands. They were was separate. Um and we had new players, new coaches, and we wasn't all the way like, together yet, you know. So we wasn't no we we was dysfunctional when we left there. Probably more dysfunctional, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, it was it was. I mean, I knew it was gonna take some time. Like once I learned, once I knew 
Coach Brandon was coming in, and we had all these players, and we had a couple older players. I'm like, yeah, it's going to take time. But that at that point of the season, we was dysfunctional as, as, uh, as you can be. <laughs> like, it's funny just, you know, looking back at it, thinking about it, but – not 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 at the time it wasn't funny. No, no, at the time it was I was like I was questioning a lot of stuff. I was really questioning things like, man, like I wonder how it would have been if I left. Like what what would I like I probably won't be going through sure. this if I left. You know? Sure. But I mean, yeah. I just I just I mean I, I seen the bigger picture and a lot not only me, like the coaches did and some mm-hmm. of the players, like I mean talking to some of the players, all the players to be honest with you, they're like, Man, everybody like they just wanna win. Like we need to fix it, we need to get to the bottom, we need to fix it. So, I mean, we just kept doing the things that we needed to do, like, as a team, uh, like, chemistry-wise, um, hanging out more at the rooms. And, you know, it was more groups of people going, to, like, just doing certain things together. And, I mean, it all helped out. Like, we got to we got to the point to where and we started winning games consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just got more locked in. And, I mean... All that stuff that we went through, I mean, you know, it helped us at, in, at, in the end, to be honest. And you guys had some, I mean, definitely had some great wins. And at times there were some bizarre games, some bizarre losses, like the Colgate game. And I, and I think I told people going into that Colgate game, I was like, they're, they, they're not a bad team. Like, don't say yeah, yeah. Colgate, right? But it was still a bizarre game. I mean, what were your thoughts on that game? I, I just couldn't believe it, man. I'm like, bro, like. Yeah, they was a, they're, they're not a bad team. Colgate a good team. They're top of that league every year. I was told, but in my head, I'm like, man, no, I don't care like how good they may be. Like, no reason we should lose this game. And every yeah, everybody like to say they say something about Jerry and the shot he took. Yeah, it was a bad shot. Uh, but I mean, that's not the reason why we lost the game. Like mm-hmm. any smart person, any smart basketball player, yeah, no, that's not the reason why we lost the game. You know, uh, it was plenty of things that we did. Uh, through the course of the game that we shouldn't have done or we shouldn't have let happen, you know. So when we lost, like when we lost, when we lost that game, I was just like I just couldn't believe it. Like just like everybody else, like everybody, I I was I was just stunned. Like I mean, I I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, and, and could you and tell and I listen. I I know you. I know Jaron. I'm around the program a lot. But can you explain to the to the Bearcat fans out there? You know, after that Colgate game, there was so much criticism directed towards Jaron from the fans about his body language. He yeah. doesn't care. And I, I think, you know, I can speak on it, but I'd like for you to speak on that. Um, I mean, I mean, he listen, Jaron did a lot of great things in his career at Cincinnati. Everybody know that. He's mm-hmm. by far one of the best players to come out of Cincinnati. So, I mean, he had a – maybe he – I don't know how he felt, but I see it as, like, he made a – I mean, the shot he took, he was embarrassed that he did it probably, and he was—he didn't know. Like, it was – it was it was. I mean, he was just trying to make a play. He was trying to make something happen, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I just felt like he took it – I mean, maybe you could say – I mean, he took it as, like, the stuff that he did, like, the way the – like, the fans and stuff that they were seeing, how they was, you know, just talking, stuff they tweeting, and just this and that and that and this. Like, Maybe he felt like let down from the like you know from a like, yeah. from like Bearcat Nation like that. I thought you had my back and right. the the slander he was getting back. So he like you know you know like I think like, like how would they feel if there was one of them one of the fans who did it like that's how that's how I see it. Like I mean I can't mm-hmm. speak for him how he felt through it, but 
just how I see the situation. Like, how would some of them feel if, if they if it happened to them? Like, sure. how would some of them feel if they, even if they didn't take the shot, how would some of them feel if they was, there was one of us playing during the game and ended up losing the game like that? You know, yep. like, for him to do the stuff that he did, uh, the victories that he brought in here, um, games he led us to win it, and he took a shot like that, which, yeah, I mean, he shouldn't have took, but he was just unaware, you know, the situation he was right. unaware of. Stuff that the people started saying. I mean, like I'm just like, how can you say that about like how can you say that about one of the best players to come through Cincinnati in the last five five plus years or whatever? No question. And and to say and to say that he doesn't care, it's like, and and I go back to this. I'm like, fans. I was telling them like, you have to remember this dude sacrificed. I think a lot this last season. Like, I've always thought Jaron was an elite passer but his ability to facilitate and pass the basketball and not always look to score plays into, I mean, just what type of person he is. Mm-hmm. He sacrificed a lot. Yeah, he did. Like we all did, but he most definitely did, you know, with, you know, him and coach Brandon, they, they I mean, they got one thing out their relationship on the road. Like he most definitely sacrificed a lot. He went through a lot. He put his body through a lot. Like, yeah, you know, he did. Season. Like I know Jan, like I love dude, like, he most definitely, uh, he most definitely, uh, he cared a lot. Like he cared a lot about the program. He cared a lot. Like it may not seem like it to the fans, but I mean, all they get, all they see is you know us on the court. They don't <laughs> see what goes on behind. The they don't see what we do in practice. They don't. They're not there. And you know, team meetings and player meetings. They're not there. You know. Yeah. But I can most definitely say he sacrificed a lot. He did a lot. Like he put himself through a lot. He played through a lot of pain. He pushed through a lot of pain. You know. The, have a, a successful year his last year, yeah. And make the tournament. And, I mean, even though you know the coronavirus came in and wiped that out, like what he did for the team, uh, you know, game night, like mm. he was, it was successful in a lot of people. You know, in our eyes, team player wise, because I mean, some of the big games he showed up. If he would have lost, we would have made the tournament. You yep. know, so, yep. I mean, dude, yep. he, I mean, everybody got their ways, but. At the end of the day, man, he he really pushed through a lot of pain, and he did his. I mean, he came out. He came out on top of his situation. You want me to be honest? I, I agree with you one hundred percent. But I, I think that, and, and back to you, man. Like, and listen, I, I I love your game. I love how you play. But I think what really solidified you amongst like Bearcat Nation that it was like Trey Scott is. You you are now talked about in a class trade that is very special. You're talked about with the Gary Clarks, the Justin Jacksons, the Eric Hicks, the Kenyon Martins. And what I mean by that is you embody that work ethic and you embody that every year you got better. Like Kenyon Martin, like I came in with Kenyon Martin. That dude got better every single year. Eric Hicks squeezed all the juice out of that lemon. Like he achieved as much as he possibly could at the college level. And, and and you did that. But I think the stretch of those four overtime games and that double OT in which you played an ungodly amount of time, you didn't get tired, um, that there catapulted you, I think, into another stratosphere amongst Bearcat fans. So mm-hmm. my question to you then is, how were you built for that, man? Like, that was an impressive – stretch and then you and then you just did it the rest of the season man how man 
it just worked. Like, man, I mean, it just worked. Like, I've been grinding for four years. Like, you know, my whole career at Cincinnati. And my last year, like, I, I mean, I wanted to make it special. Like, I wanted to do something that I never done before, you know, while I was there. And I'm like, I wanted to go down as one of the, you know, I'm not going to be the best player, but I want to be talked about in some way. You know, I just want to be remembered. Mm-hmm. So whatever whatever I needed to do to make myself get back to feeling like Trey Scott, Trayvon Scott, like before, I needed to do it. And if that was played like a maniac, like I like like <laughs> I would say I did, then I I had I, I was down to do it. Like whatever it was just whatever came my way, I was willing to do it. Like I just want I wanted to win. Um I I just I wanted to win, man. Like to be honest. That was it. I wanted to win and I wanted to a part. I wanted to be a part of the, of the success like that we had winning. So I mean, whatever I whatever needed to be done, man, I, I did it. I, I, whatever. That's all I say. Whatever needed to be done, I did it. Like I put in so much work. I put in so much time like, yeah. in the gym. Uh, yep. Like conditioning. Um. Just mental, like just mental parts of the game. Also, like that's I put in it. So much work. That's uh, it. it, it that's just, it right I, there. Yeah, it was mental. Yep, without a question. I'll tell you a quick story, too, Trey. I've never told you this, but I know the uh, two walk-ons for uh, Wichita State. And um, after you guys beat Wichita State at home, I was talking to them. And there's one thing they were talking about. And I've always kind of noticed it, but it really didn't hit home until they really said it. And that is, man, when you would post up, on the block, you would, with space, you were so tough to guard. And the Wichita State kids were like, there's nothing, like our coach was like, there's nothing you could do about it. Because you would, you could catch in the post, you could turn square up, go right, left, show, you you would be able, if there was a weaker, if, if there was a weaker way to go, whether it was right or left shoulder for you, you'd find a way to push yourself in a strong position. Mm-hmm. Man, that that is so impressive because not a lot of players can do that. I think for me, watching you, there's two parts to that. Obviously, you worked on it. Um, you've got a high level of athleticism. And then three, man, that's understanding the game, man. That's IQ. Yeah, most definitely. Like, being able to read the, how, how the defender's guarding you, uh, being able to get you – got to be able to create – moves create space to get to your strong hand. Um yep. you just gotta be you just gotta have like a bag of basically like a bag of tricks to <laughs> not, that bag. <laughs> you gotta have a bag of tricks like to, you know, give what you want down there because at the end of the day defender have to the, the defender have to react to you. So you control you control like that situation or whatever you want to call it, them guarding you, you going to score on them, you control it because they have to react to you. So I mean being able to get to this hand or being able to Make a move to create a little bit of space to turn around, uh, step through to get you know the score. Um, mm-hmm. It's just something that I worked on and watched Kevin Garnett film and you know stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. That was one. That was you know something that I took pride in. You know, scoring around the rim and creating space and all kind of moves and stuff. And and it was I, I thought it was on display big time against South Florida when you guys were down. You and Keith. Mm-hmm. Bro, I was saying I was watching that South Florida game and we were down South Florida, right? We were down and you were eating on the block, Keith was going to work, and I'm like, Man, clear out that side. Have Keith dump it in the tray and work from there. 
Mm-hmm. They double down, throw it back out to Keith, let him do his thing. And, man, that that was one of my favorite games of of the season, watching you guys grind that out and come come back. I know it's probably not how you wanted to win. <laughs> nah, it, was it, was it was I mean, it was, a, a comeback win is one of the best wins always, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. it shows – like once you're down, it don't matter. Like nothing can stop you. Once if you put your head, if you put your mind to it, um, mm-hmm. you came back. Like it's like it's a huge, huge swing in the game. You was down ten points. You won by this much, so you really won by this much. Like, you know, it's it's really like a lot that go into it that I look at and that I like take pride in. So, yeah, I mean, and especially like with me, the, the performance me and Keith had. Not discrediting nobody else because if it wasn't for a lot of plays that a lot of our teammates did, Chris McNeil had two big threes in the first half. Yeah, Mama, you know, Jay, everybody, man. Um, but Every, yeah, this, you're right. The stuff me and Keith, you know, that we was able to do off the strength of our teammates, you know, was allowing us. Um, you know, it's a great feeling knowing that you came up big in the comeback win. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, no doubt. And and listen, I, and last two things I want to I want to talk about in regards to this season. Um, obviously super disappointing um, for you to have to fly all the way down and not play in the conference tournament, um, not play an NCAA tournament. I'm sure that's going to haunt you for a long time out of mm-hmm. your control. Um, I'm sure that was tough to deal with. Yeah, man, it most definitely was tough because, like, the craziest part about it was like, our team, uh, we went after we won the last team that game, we – like the next week, the next like three practices we had, and we had a talk with our coaches, you know, postseason stuff. What well, you know, was everybody fighting for? We was becoming like a different team. Like you know, a lot of people make say that, but like I'm telling you, like truthfully, like we were becoming a different team. Like everybody was locked. It was it was the most locked in that we were ever we ever was as a team. You know, Damn. um, offensive standpoint, especially defensively, like. We got back to guarding. Uh, we got back to just being a tough, like, Cincinnati team. Yeah. And I was – we was all looking forward to going down there and winning every game and making a run in the tournament. Like, we most definitely – like, believe me or not, like, yeah, it hasn't happened in the past. But this season, I know for a fact we most definitely was going to make a run in the tournament. Like, Oh, man. A, a good run. That's why I know it's going to haunt me in the – the coaches also, because we had never had the opportunity again. But uh, going like once all that stuff ended, not being able to play in the conference, not being able to have no NCAA tournament, um, it's like we all just felt like we worked hard as we can for nothing. You know, fighting to get in the tournament, like fighting to get a to win the conference, get another ring, mm-hmm. um, fighting to number one seed in the conference tournament. Like we felt like we, you know, we worked hard, we grinded, we went through all that adversity for nothing. And, yeah, I mean, hey, like you said, we can't control it. We can't can't control it, man. Life lessons right there. But you know, you can always, you know, say how you went out. You put everything on the court. Um, you ended senior night on that amazing tip in. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's your last like real memory, that's a great one, Trey. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Oh, so, um, all right, real quick, I want to always end. Uh, the interviews with quick questions, quick answers. All right, you ready for this? Let's get it. Okay. Quick questions, quick answers with Trey Scott. Okay, number one, your favorite place to play 
on the road when playing for the Bearcats? Wichita, Wichita State. Yes, I knew you were going to say that. And tell people why. Because it's like a small little arena, and the fans is rowdy. That's just like loud in there constantly. It's just like <laughs> it's like a great basketball atmosphere, and it's like mm-hmm. a great test for any team on the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No question. Totally agree with that. Um, <clears throat> toughest player you ever played against? Toughest player I ever played against? Yes. In college? Um, Man, to be honest with you, probably was Kyle Washington. I don't really know. Like, I'm going to be able to call it Kyle Washington, bro. He was the toughest player to guard that I ever guarded. In practice. In that yeah. crazy-ass hook? That that hook he would do, <laughs> man. He's like it's that that's unstoppable. unstoppable. I'm like, I used to get mad. Like I'm like, even though I know he's gonna make it eight times out nine times out of ten, I still would wind up getting mad because I'm like, it's unbelievable that he's doing that. <laughs> what what about what about um on, on the court against another player? Like, what was that one player you were like, man? That dude's different. Man, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm a deep. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a. I'm a defensive guy. So I really, and this year was our first year playing man to man, like constantly. You know. Yeah. So I mean, I really haven't had in college. I haven't had nobody who I gave like, yo, he really tough. He nice. We really did this or that. Like I haven't had nobody. That's why I said Kyle Washington. Like no knock. Gotcha. Nobody has played. But I mean, yep. I'm pretty solid defensively. I feel well. I know. So I haven't okay. had nobody. You know. Makes sense. Okay. Question number three. If you had the chance to be the most famous rapper in the world or the most famous R&B singer in the world, which one would you choose and why? I choose the famous rapper. Ooh. Famous why? Rapper. Because um, I feel like as a famous rapper, you have more opportunities to get, like, you would get more money, like more screens and stuff, uh, okay. and you would get more like fans constantly because your music would be played like in clubs, at bars, out versus R and B songs really wouldn't be played out too much. Like you, you constantly hear your name, hear your music, and you constantly have like an opportunity to grow. Okay, and you, you, you could be courtside at all the NBA games. Oh yeah, courtside. You know they're playing your songs in warm up. It's lit, man. It's lit. You know that'd be tough. <laughs> that'd be lit. Who's your favorite rapper? Ooh, favorite rapper right now. I love uh, Kevin Gates, most definitely number one. Um, okay. Future, uh, okay. Kodak Black. You know, I, okay. you know, I'm, yeah, I'm down that you, way. Yeah, you south. Okay, yeah, I got you. Man. Okay. All right. Um, now, obviously, th- this can this question can extend from your period at UC to um, who you know in the past, but who is your favorite Bearcat of all time? So you want to, uh, like, who I played with or in the past? Or just anybody you'd say, you know what, that's that's probably my favorite Bearcat. Could be who you played with before you. To be honest, you got to go with Kenny Morton. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Did, didn't he come back to a practice? Did he speak to you guys? Were you on that team? Yeah, yeah he okay. came back to a practice. Like, he was in there giving tips and, you know, talking and, Popping up at games, home and away, like yeah, soak that knowledge up. Most definitely did. Yeah, yeah, man. All right, last question. Okay, one person in history 
that could be dead or alive, one person in history that you would like to meet and sit down and just talk with? Mm -hmm. I got two, but I'm going to say one. Kobe Bryant. Oh, that's Not good, man. Kobe, that's good. I, I love to sit down and chop it up with Kobe. Man, that's a good one. Who was the other one? <laughs> the other one is Louis Armstrong. Ooh, I like that. Uh, Little jazz. I got one question for him. That's what I want to know. You know what's but, that? I, I just want to know how and like what inspired him to make that song. Uh, what a wonderful world. Uh huh. That's. I just want to know because I love that song. I listen to that song. Tremendous yes. amount. I'm gonna tell my I'm gonna tell my father this because uh, so my father is a huge uh, jazz fan, and my father grew up in Dayton, Ohio, <clears throat> and back uh, back in the day when my dad grew up, um, Dayton was a big hub for jazz musicians. So a lot of jazz musicians would come to Dayton and perform, mm -hmm. and so my dad would go to these like small clubs, and he saw Louis Armstrong play. My dad used to sit at a bar and talk with Ray Charles. Oh, that's lit. How crazy is that? Like, obviously, Ray couldn't see my dad, but he would sit there and talk with him. My dad saw, like, Miles Davis, like, all those, you know, great jazz musicians. But but back then, it wasn't a big deal because they weren't as big as they are now. It mm -hmm. was just, you know, kind of on the rise. So I'll tell my dad that you like uh, Louis Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, let's tell him. Yeah, he'll appreciate that. Um, yeah. Last thing. That's that's the end of our quick questions, quick answers. But But last thing. I just want to remind you, remember when we had a shooting contest at the, the start of the season? Do you remember? I, don't know you, I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I remember that, though. No, nah, you got it, but I'm pretty sure. I, I know for a fact, like, you've seen, like, the difference in my shooting in the last half or the first half. So if we was to do that, run that back, I'd beat you by a long shot. I'll be back in Cincinnati now. We'll most definitely have, you know, opportunities to do that. We're, we're definitely going to do that. But you know what? You actually said what I was going to get to. I beat you in that shooting contest, and your mentality changed. I remember when I saw you. I don't know if you remember this. I saw you on Thanksgiving Eve, and I saw you downtown. Mm -hmm. And we were we were talking, and you were like, man, look, I, I, I just got to let it go, man. I just mm -hmm. got, I, I, I'm mentally there. I'm just going to play. I'm just going to let it go. And I'm telling you what, you started doing it. I remember, like, right after you said that to me, the next game – the ball was getting reversed at the top of the key, and you caught it, and that guy had stepped off, and you shot it. Switch. Mm -hmm. Totally different. And yeah, that's, that's the mental. That's the mental thing. And I had to just let it go, man. So, yep. You know, my teammate, uh, Jaren, was one in particular, like, bro, like, let that ball go. Like, I, I, mean, <laughs> I seriously. And my mom and my dad constantly was on the way. I don't know, like, shoot the ball, like. Because in high school, for you, I mean, I shot the ball. Like, I was a way better shooter, like, than I, I was then than I am now. I mm -hmm. was aware of that. But I'm finding it again. I found it again this past half, the last half of the season, and I'm keeping it this time. <laughs> I'm yeah. keeping it this time, man. For sure. So, uh, quickly, just tell um, all the Bearcat fans out there, you, you're definitely a, a big-time fan favorite. Um, mm -hmm. What's What's the future for Trey Scott? The future for me, um, I see, I see a bright future for myself. Um, I'm most definitely gonna uh, pursue my goals, playing in the league, NBA. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I got a strong 
possible. I got a strong uh, feeling that I will be in there. You know, I'm going to just leave it at that. Yep. So that's where you guys will see me playing next. Hopefully, you know, if it's God's will, I'll be there. Um, I always support UC, you know, as long as I'm here, as long as I'm living. Uh, support my, you know, I'm going to always be back in Cincinnati due to the fact that my sister still have three years left. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like that's next for me, you know, being a professional. Well, I, I got two things with that. Number one, I think there's no question that you can play at the NBA level, and i tell you why. Because, you know, you, you have all the elements, um, the athleticism, the IQ, the conditioning, the heart. And you look at what Gary Clark has done. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I love Gary. Gary's super skilled. But you have, I think, even more of an NBA game than Gary does with your athleticism. Mm-hmm. The way they the way they play. So when people have asked me on Twitter my opinion, I definitely think you'll be playing in the NBA very soon. Uh secondly, I wanna say you make sure you stay in touch, man. Make sure you are coming back to, 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 to the Bearcat. And if I can impart any wisdom, it's this. Um, as you are on your journey in life, you're building like pockets of family. Mm-hmm. So you have a Bearcat family. And whenever you need that family, you can always count on that family. So don't leave that Bearcat family. There have been Bearcat players that have gone on, played the NBA, and have not been back since. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, like, man, you, you left the family. Trey, don't leave that family, okay? I won't I won't leave it. Will not okay. leave it. Love it. Love it, man. Well, this is great, man. I'm telling you, man. You talk, told, you sent me a message like, man, fans don't want to hear from me anymore. Nah. I'm going to say bullshit. <laughs> They're going to love this, man. So, hey, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And um, let's do it again soon. When you're playing the NBA, let's, uh, let's wrap again. Most definitely, man. I appreciate you for having me, man. Thank you, you know, for reaching out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All good trade, man. I appreciate it, brother. Be safe, okay? All right, thanks. All right. Yep. I want to thank everybody for listening to our special episode, our interview series of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. And once again, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. Also on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. On Snapchat, at BigMeach41. And soon to be on TikTok. I appreciate everybody listening to the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Go Bearcats.